Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God is in control of every test, every trial that comes to our lives. He'll give me the grace. He'll give me the power. He'll give me the ability. He'll infuse me with joy so I can endure and pass the test. See, it's not about the circumstances. It's about me because he wants me in life to represent him because people are searching for something that's real in the midst of crud in our lives. We know in Scripture says that in the life of a believer, God works out all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Now, Pastor Mark makes it very clear that God isn't saying that all things are good because some things are really bad. What He is saying is that He, God, is at work in His own ways and will eventually bring some good out of it. God ordains everything in our life. He doesn't control it, but He allows it. You can either walk on His path with Him or on your own path by yourself. Keep in mind, God knows the outcome and you don't. Choose wisely. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28. For Pastor Mark's continuing study entitled, Are Trials Really Good for Us? Out of those four people that say they receive Christ, really only one sticks. Now here's one. Let me read it to you. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, want their sins forgiven, and they receive it with, interestingly enough, joy. Wow. My sins are forgiven. It's terrific. Now watch what happens. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. In other words, it's an emotional experience. They never get in a Bible study. They never get to a small group. They never read their Bible. And so there's no faith ever produced. And pretty soon, that seed simply dries up. Now, look how he puts it. They fall away, proving they never were really saved, as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's Word. So James writes, you going to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I got saved back 32 years ago. Anything happened in your life? Nothing. You're not going to heaven. And many people today, I'll run across them, and here's what they'll say to me. I said, man, I've been missing you. Oh, I tried that Christian thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work? No, you didn't work. You didn't hang with it. Well, I know, but I came to Christ, and man, there's not supposed to be any problems. What's up with that? I don't know what church you went to, but you didn't read the Bible. Of course there's problems. And I like to say to them, and I don't, but I like to, having any problems right now? Are they? Well, sure they are. They're in the world. Life happens, but they don't have God. So I want to challenge you this morning. Your faith has to be real. This isn't a game. 
That's why James is writing. These people are going to die. James is martyred for his faith. Now, probably that's not going to happen to us, but you have to understand that. Now, look at verse 4. Here's the ultimate, verse 4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, remember you circled this word, mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the ultimate goal of passing life's test with a positive attitude, even though it hurts, even though it's difficult, is to see myself mature. And mature simply means to be like Jesus. Watch this. Look at this. Trials. That's the way our life is. We have all, everyone has that. Well, I'm supposed to face it with joy. Now, it doesn't mean I like the trial. I don't like the trial. I don't, sometimes it's very difficult. I'm not like into it. But I know there's an outcome coming. With that, on that, on that testing comes increased faith. I believe more in God. I believe the promises of God. With that comes an endurance. Okay, it, it could get tough, but I'm going to hang in there. God has promised that he will absolutely make a way through that trial for me. And then last, I, I have maturity. I, I'm better after going through the trial than I was before because I know I can end up. When you finish and successfully pass a stress test, you get off of that thing, sweating like crazy, and the doctor says, no problems, your heart is fine. It was worth it. So spiritually, these make us healthy. So when we get off, that's the sequence that's going to happen. Now, if you replace joy with sadness, then you're going to be miserable going through them. And of course, what happens there is there's not a lot of faith. There's not a lot of endurance. And you kind of want to give up. And let me just speak about that. Maybe today you're here and you're going through a trial. And you're really a Christian, but you're angry at God. And you begun listening to those lies. It's too difficult. Where is God? He's not a loving God. What kind of a God is that? I don't want you to do that. And maybe you have a towel in your hand and you're ready to throw it in. You can throw in the towel and give up. Don't you dare do that. God knows what he's doing. You can trust him with your life. And I want you to turn to Romans 8, 28, because I think you'll begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Romans, in your Bible, here you are. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans, chapter 8. Verse we know well, very well. But often, when we read the verse, we don't connect it with verse 29. So I want you to connect verse 29 as well. In fact, when you get to, when you get to Romans 8, put a little arrow from 28 to 29, uh, a reverse arrow, both ways, both ways. You, you cannot do one of the verses without the other, and I'll get to it in a moment. So let's read verse 28. And we know that in all things, how many things? Does that mean everything? Yes. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I want you to look at me for a moment. This verse is only for believers. This verse doesn't work for an unbeliever. And you say, well, I'm here and I'm an unbeliever. Thanks a lot. No, you need to get saved. Because, see, God isn't in charge of your life. Satan is. You say, no, he isn't. I am. No, you're deceived. There's only two people to serve, God or Satan. And so you need to come under God because God has good for you. Do you know what Satan has for you? Steal, kill, and destroy. Doesn't look like it now, but he's a liar. He's very deceptive. So come under. Come become a Christian at the end of the service. So look at it again. This is the basic truth in the Bible. If you're a believer, 
Nothing comes into your life that hasn't first been passed by by the Heavenly Father. We already told you about that. Everything that comes into your life, God approves. Except if I disobey and go out on my own, then I'm going to suffer that consequence. So watch me. I want want you to understand this. You, You need to understand this. Our lives are not a random series of freak accidents or occurrences or circumstances. There is no such thing as good luck or bad luck in the life of a Christian. God ordains everything in our life. He doesn't control it, but he allows it. And we can either walk on that path or walk on our own path. Now, notice this verse 28. People misunderstand this. God is not saying in that verse that all things are good. Of course all things aren't good. But God is at work in his own ways and will eventually bring good out of it. And I'll show you that. So maybe you're in a a sickness this morning or a bankruptcy or a death. We were hearing Levi Lesko the other night. He talked about two years ago at Christmas. It's two days before Christmas. His little five-year-old daughter had asthma. He has asthma. And he's sitting there with her two days before Christmas, and she has a horrible attack. Well, they've been through them over and over and over again. She was never recovered. She dies in the hospital. Five-year-old. Now, you can say, that's good? That is not good. But he was able to overcome that because he knows where she's at. And he's able to understand, as he looks back at it now, that God is orchestrating that. By the way, let me just give you a little clue. When, when you run through people that have these kind of issues, the best thing you can do when you have a person that's mourning is just put your arms around them and love them. The less you say, the better. People say crazy things like, oh, I know what you're going through. You don't know what he's going through if you haven't lost a five-year-old. You have no idea. Or, well, just, uh, just toughen up. Just, just don't be stupid. I mean, put your arms around them and just be quiet. Say, God's with you. I'm here. Come on, just cry on my shoulder. So, remember, God knows the outcome. We don't know the outcome. Now, God will take all of those things, and eventually good's going to come from it. And I'm going to show you that. Is. I don't really have time. There's a lot of great illustrations. I'll use a very simple one this morning. Uh, many of you like stew. You like stew. So where you come from in the country is different kind of things go into stew. I'm going to give you an ingredient. Some of you make a stew, and you put a rutabaga in it. Anybody know what a rutabaga is? Let me see your hand. Yeah, like 12 people. Okay. How many, how about, I like turnips in your stew. How many like turnips in your stew? Okay. Hear these people? Okay. Well, depending on where you come. How, how many like okra in your stew? Let me see. Slimy okra just pours right out of the pot, makes it easy. Now, I know what kind of okra you like. It's that deep fried stuff. Get the stress test ready because you're going to be on it, baby. It's terrible. Tastes good, but it's terrible for your arteries. So when you put all that together, and you sit down at a guest's table, you don't have any idea what they put in there. But if they're a good chef, and then they say, well, there's heart gizzards. (laughs) And there's liver, and there's okra. They just ground it up so you couldn't see it. And yeah, there's a rutabaga baby right in there. Watch me. In your life this morning, God is making a stew spiritually. He's mixing it. He knows when to put this in, when to put this in. He's a master chef. And when he's through, you will see the good. But is it good while it's making? 
often it is not good. Would you write this down this morning? You must believe this to have joy. In his timing, this is a promise from God, God will eventually make everything in that stew in your life work together for good. Now, some of you here this morning and you're saying, it is not good. It ain't. There's no way good's going to come with this. No, he'll do it. He'll do it. And it's really not about the situation. It's really about you. See, it's my faith. It's my endurance. It's my maturity that God's after in our lives. Now, what is the ultimate good that God's talking about in verse 28? That's why I had you put a little error to verse 29. Take a look. Here it is. For those God foreknew, those people that came to Christ, he knew would come to Christ, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. See, God is at work in our lives to make us like Jesus Christ. That's the maturity. Whatever God allows in our lives is designed us to think like Jesus, to have the character like Jesus, to minister like Jesus, and to understand all those valuable lessons through trials that God's giving us, that is the goal. God is in control of every test, every trial that comes to our lives. He'll give me the grace. He'll give me the power. He'll give me the ability. He'll infuse me with joy so I can endure and pass the test. See, it's not about the circumstances. It's about me because he wants me in life to represent him. Because people are searching for something that's real in the midst of crud in our lives. So write this down. You've heard me say this for many, many years. Faith that isn't tested, it simply can't be trusted. If you have heart problems and and you don't have a stress test, you're in trouble. You go somewhere off where there's no doctor, no medical team or whatever, you'll end up dying. So faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. God understands that. And he sends into our lives... He allows into our lives those things that he'll mix up in a spiritual stew that eventually bring me out to look more and more like Jesus. Now, I would like to say to you, after 65 years of being a Christian, there's no more stews in my life. Afraid not. I'm still a work in progress. He's still working on me, as he is you. Now, the Bible is filled with great stories of how this works. So I want you to turn to one simple one. We'll go through it very quickly. Acts chapter 16. By the way, if you want a little extra homework, uh, build your faith. Go to the book of Genesis, like chapters 40 through 50. You can read it as a simple story. You'll watch the life of Joseph. Everything starts out horrible. Sold as a slave in a pit, whatever. Ends up in jail, whatever. Persecuted, is lied about, whatever. Eventually, he saves the nation of Israel. Yes, the very Israel that we know today. It was all God. In the end, Joseph said this, what you meant for me, God allowed for good. That stew took years, but it brought great joy. Now here in Acts chapter 16, let me kind of bring you up to speed. Paul and Silas, they're on a missionary journey. They go into this town and they minister to this young lady and she's delivered from demons and whatever comes to Christ. Well, the people in the town, the, the pagans hate it. So they beat him, both of them, put them in jail and uh, watch what happens. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. 
Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. Even worse, now they can't move. And about midnight, if you were there, about midnight, what would you be doing? Can I hear? I probably don't want to hear the words that you would be saying right about then. But look what it is. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? Watch me. They go into the prison. They're beaten. They're put in stocks. And the next thing they do is they do something to the prison doors. They welcome joy. Come right on in. That's impossible. No, they're just exactly like you and me. They had learned the lesson. By the way, if you follow Paul, I mean, we see all these cruise ships, that poison or whatever. Every ship that Paul went on, they'd all be poisoned. Every ship that Paul joined almost, they've always sunk. I would never get on a ship with Paul. <laughs> Paul goes into any town. The first thing he does, he doesn't go look at the hotel. He goes to look at the prison. Okay, I'll be here in a few days. Let's look, it's okay. <laughs> but see, he was able to understand, in the end, good. How did he learn it? Same way we learn it. So they welcome, because they know this is not the end of the story. This morning, you're getting ready to throw your towel in. Do not do it. It is not the end of the story for you. Now, look at the next verse. I mean, that verse. Look at the end of that verse. Who's watching them? All the prisoners. They're going, what drug are these guys on? Look at me. That's why we have to have joy, not happy, happy, happy. Because the unbelievers that you're around in the neighborhood, at work, no problem when everything's going great. But they want to see how you react with the difficult things of life. Is it really real? Is your salvation really real? Or you just walk away from God? See, we, that's part of the witness. That's part of the witness. It's hard, but that's real. That's real. Now watch. They have this faith. They know God's in it. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that all the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Do, do you see God in this anywhere? Is the same God who allowed them to be beaten the same God that causes the earthquake that frees them? Is that the same God? Exactly. They're right smack dab in the middle of God's will. That's exactly right. Was it good? No, it wasn't good. But is good coming? Oh, yeah. Good's coming. Now, watch what happens. The jailer had no hope. You know God loves to put us around people that have no hope. Watch what happens. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Now, notice he asked the most important question any person can ever ask in the world. He says this, sirs, what must I do to be saved? When Paul hears those words, what does Paul know? Good stuff is coming. This is why we were imprisoned. This is why we were, these are why the other guys are watching us. Because of this. You see, it's always about lost people coming to Christ. It's always about people finding hope that have no hope. God loves to say to the world, I'm the hope of the world. Come to me. You're going to spend heaven with me. Well, how do they respond? Look at verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a pagan. He knows nothing about Jesus. 
you and your whole household will be saved. Believe is that action word. So here's what Paul, he sat down with them, and you'll see how they cleaned his wounds. He told them, you have to repent of your sins. Everyone's born a sinner. He would have said to me, you have to believe, and that's an action word. You believe to follow, and then you become. Repent, believe, become. And if you do that, you get a brand new start. This is the way we are. And he eventually is going to say to them, obviously in the middle of that, what? Uh, That doesn't end all prison life. That doesn't end all difficulty. But God's been with me. The one that opened that door, that was not me. That was the God that I serve. And there's nothing impossible with God. Now, understand, the outcome is in verse 34. Look at it. Then the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with, say it with me, He was now filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. The outcome of this trial, an entire family comes to God, and they will be in heaven when we get there. Now, what was God doing? He was mixing the stew. Did look pretty good for a while. What's in there? What's in there? But Paul and Silas knew what was coming. They didn't know how, they didn't know when, but they had endurance, they stuck with it, they believed in God, they didn't get angry at Him, and that joy, the fruit of the Spirit, came out of their life. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Get ready, everybody, get ready. Now, if you don't get it right, I'm locking the doors, I'm going through this teaching again. (laughs) You say, you can't do that, you watch me. (laughs) So, let's be ready to answer out loud. This is the title of our teaching today. Are trials really good for us? Okay, lock that door and that one. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Did you miss the whole teaching? It sounded like you missed it. Let's try it again. Here we go. Are trials really good for us? All right, good. It's a little better. It's a little better. Those of you that didn't answer, you just come up here at the end of the service and I'll deal with you. It's hard to answer that, isn't it? Especially if you're going through a difficult time now. It's very difficult to answer it. But I want you to write one more thing. Here it is. God is at work in our lives to make us like Jesus. You are not here for you. You are not here to do your thing. I'm not here to do my thing. I'm here to do God's thing. And that's why you guys are so great. You're in church. You're taking notes. You're studying. You're understanding it. You're in small groups. You're serving. See, that's why we're here. It isn't about you. It's all about God. And he uses whatever he can in lots of things. He's an amazing God. He blesses us like crazy. And even through our trials, he comes and he begins to deal with our lives. So yes, I'm sorry, but I'm glad. When I come through a trial, I can know that God's going to do good things in my life. I'm going to be more like him. I'm going to stick with it. If you use the lyrics, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, to sum up your life, you're in trouble on more than one level. Pastor Mark just ended today's message, reminding us that as Christians, life doesn't consist of a bunch of random freak accidents. There's definitely no such thing as bad luck or karma. Genuine Christianity is correctly defined by a mature believer who's overcome the testing of their faith with their complete trust in God. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Good news, God's wisdom is available. In today's society, that's the best news you'll ever hear. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will help us understand what real wisdom is. Wisdom is living life according to God's point of view, with His values and in His timing. If that's not what you had in mind, you're probably not alone. Obviously, what we're doing isn't working out. It's past time to do it God's way, don't you think? We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons